Hi, I'm Callie Miller. Growing up in an alcoholic home requires us to tell lies to ourselves and to others. And I've learned over the years that these lies can become toxic, that these secrets can literally make us sick, that what we never look at can never be healed, and that telling our stories and saying out loud what has happened to us can open the door to our healing. That's why I created this podcast, This Space, so we can have a safe place to share our stories. You are not alone, and this is the Change of Air podcast. It has been said that we write to understand how we feel, that the process of writing, of writing to get our thoughts out of us and onto paper, helps us understand our thoughts. Have you ever had the experience of wanting to communicate your own feelings and then as you were writing or reading back your own writing, you realize, ah, that's what I think about that. That's what I feel about that. Writing has always helped me organize my thoughts, get in touch with my feelings and help me connect to myself. I always feel better after writing something down, always. Even when what I wrote down or wrote through, because it sometimes so much feels like we're writing through, not just down. Even when what I wrote through was hard or difficult or emotional, I always feel better when I've had counsel with myself, when I've given myself time to hear myself, listen to myself, soothe myself through writing. I have dozens and dozens of journals spanning decades. Sometimes I go back and read them, which let's be honest, can be a little horrifying as in, wow, I was really worried about silly things back then before life got really intense, or uh, they can also be illuminating. Oftentimes I can go back and read and think, oh, wow, I've, I've come a really long way. Like, look at me go. Mostly I don't go back and read journals. I just keep them and I move them with me wherever I go. During a particularly messy time in my life, I had them in storage far away from where I lived. They weren't in my house. They weren't even in my garage. Divorce, unexpected, unwanted moving, you know, can leave things pretty disorganized and chaotic. We will talk about that in a future episode. But my journals weren't with me. And I could feel their absence. It was like a limb was cut off. These are just books with words in them. I was recently reunited with these books with words in them, and I opened them up, found all my journals, brought them all in the house and into my office. I cleared a shelf of books, and if you know me, I have an enormous amount of books overflowing on every shelf. So to like make a room for all my journals that I knew I would probably never look at was a pretty big deal. I placed all my journals on their own shelf. Since I did that, I have not read them or looked through them at all, but having them with me again, it's felt as if a part of me was floating out there somewhere and now they're back in their rightful place and I feel a lot better. And why? Because I said all the things in them. I figured myself out in them. Those were the years when I was starting to understand that growing up with alcoholic parents had given me some weird behaviors, some confusing feelings. And I started to work it out in those pages. Those pages are me. 
they contain me becoming me. And so in some sense, these books I may never really look at are sacred to me. Now, I didn't call them journals then. If you have listened to the Mind Body episode of all the Mind Body tools I share, I do share journaling, and you know what I thought of the word journaling. <laughs> journaling, as it's come to be known in the past few years, has felt sillier to me. It's my own judgment. Uh, like the idea of journaling to map out your day, really pretty bullet journals, all the cool ways you can illustrate in them. I'm not, I can't illustrate anything. Maybe that's why I have a predisposition to be negative for these beautiful journals that I know I can't make. Any of my friends who illustrate or draw, their journals are gorgeous. And I, you know, my own insecurity makes me think they're not great because I could certainly couldn't make them. But there has been this new trend in the past several years of using quote unquote journals to organize your day, write down your tasks, those sorts of things, set goals, goal setting, a lot of that kind of stuff. And I never used books that way writing. I never used them that way. So it felt a little unserious because I was obviously writing really serious stuff. And by contrast, I did not feel that writing down what I wanted to accomplish in a work day equaled the same thing. Totally different uses. Both I now see in my revised wisdom. Both are really valuable. But because what I was doing for so many years and the books that I wrote in felt so much more than journaling a list of tasks or goals, I also felt compelled to write everything down in a way that I think journaling feels like this is part of my daily to-do list. And for me, when I first needed to write all of this in a book, I needed to write it. Like I, I was compelled. I had to get it out of me. I didn't know how I would survive without writing it all down, without trying to start to understand myself, without sharing my secrets. When we talk often about our secrets make us sick and that we need to share our feelings. And certainly growing up in an alcoholic home, we could do many episodes on all the people I told who did not believe me and made me feel gaslit. When I tried to share the secret of what was going on in my home, no one was listening. No one was interested. So one of the first places I told my secrets was to this book, to myself, but really not even to myself. I just told my secret in a book that no one else would ever see. I never viewed it as a daily journal or a place to make plans. So I gave journaling a bad rap in my own heart and mind for a long time. I have since changed my mind. I thought what I was doing was more like a diary, not a teenage diary where you put your dating secrets and secret crushes and you know your brother tried to sneak into your room and get the key and unlock it, but more my own very deep secrets and kind of my own figuring out myself method. I mean, obviously I was journaling. <laughs> I was just being, I think in hindsight, a little precious about it. But the truth is that I have always had a deep need to write down my thoughts and my feelings. And I've always thought this was just me, like a thing I like to do, a way I uniquely organize my own thoughts. Yeah, it turns out it's not just me. <laughs> and... There are also landmark research projects that have proven that writing for 15 to 20 minutes at a time over several days, whether it's about a past traumatic event, like secret concerns and fears, 
just trying to figure out how you feel about a certain thing that's got you riled up, just the very act of doing that 15 to 20 minutes at a time, day over day over day, can reduce inflammation in your body, boost your immune system, and because of those two things, reduce your doctor's visits. Yeah. After the last episode, all about ACEs, if you've listened to that episode, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, please do. It's very good, if I do say so myself. It's an important test that I think helps place urgency on our healing because it helps us realize that all of the adverse childhood experiences we've experienced growing up predispose us to health conditions, like greater health conditions in the future. And so we really want to kind of put a a focus on healing as soon as we can. And so we know, we talked about this in this episode, that reducing inflammation in the body boosts your immune system, immune system, reduces doctor's visits, like all of those things are so important in making sure that we don't have some of these longer term heart disease, lung cancer, all of the things that were listed in the ACEs test as things we might have. So this is amazing that simply by journaling, there's that word, I'm using it now, freely, no concerns, <laughs> that by journaling or writing 15 to 20 minutes a day, you can heal your body, your physical body, let alone all the upsides of figuring things out and figuring out how you feel and sharing your secrets and all of that. Even more fascinating, studies have shown that writing and journaling has also improved health conditions that you currently have. So not sort of reducing inflammation so that in the future you don't get something, but if you are currently suffering from asthma, arthritis, cancer, a whole variety of health conditions, journaling improves the conditions in real time. And one study has even shown that short-term writing every day can reduce wounds on your skin faster. That's amazing. And clearly something to prioritize. It turns out I was onto something and I did not even know it. The main researcher behind these studies, James Pennebaker, I'll share a link to the studies. I'm a big, big believer in linking everything, giving you all the science, all of that. I'll make sure there are links to all the studies in the show notes. He has several guidelines in his findings that after years and years of research, and really making this link between writing and healing, essentially, like a direct through line from writing to healing. He has noticed several kind of, he's developed some guidelines for how to think about journaling, specifically around healing from trauma and kind of writing it all out. So I want to share these with you. And then we're going to talk about a short journaling exercise. Look at me, interchanging the word journaling and writing so freely. It's all fine now. (laughs) Then, so I'll walk you through these. And then I want to talk you through a short journaling exercise for ACOAs in particular that I have found extremely helpful for many in our Change of Air community. It's also why it's the only written exercise in our Change of Air guide. It's a really good way to start. So here's some of the research. These are some of his guidelines. If you have listened to this and thought, or even the previous episode about mind-body practices and thought, yeah, maybe I do want to journal. Here are some good ways to start and to, to sort of shape your practice, if you will, just in the way you would shape a 
yoga practice, a running practice, um, a few ways to think about it in, in case you need that structure. So one of the most important things the studies identified is that it is very important to not suppress your thoughts as you're writing them down. If you're like me, when you journal, you sometimes catch yourself thinking, Ooh, I, I don't know that I even should write this down. What if someone sees this, right? Like something you're, you're in the flow, you're writing it out. And I, I do this often, even now I catch myself and I think maybe it's just enough that I recognize this in the moment. I don't really need to put it on paper, right? We can instinctively want to write the thing down. And the moment we realize we want to write it, we censor ourselves because maybe that thing that came up is very big or scary. The studies have shown that actually the healthiest way to use journaling to heal is to write out even the icky bits as they come up, to really get it out of you and onto paper. Research has shown that suppressing these thoughts and feelings can actually compromise your immune system. And as we know from the ACEs test, not a good thing. So we don't want to compromise our immune systems by doing this practice that should boost our immune systems, but then we suppress the thoughts because we don't want to deal with the thoughts. So then we're back to compromising our immune system. So let it out. All the thoughts, all the feelings, let them out. I often find that the most effective way for me to stay in my flow when I'm writing and this is probably why I don't go back and read them now that I think about it, is to just write. Some extra, Sometimes it can be called automatic writing. Just expressive writing. Doesn't matter what your penmanship looks like. It doesn't matter if it's legible even. And that trying to be perfect or have the thoughts be cogent or all your punctuation just perfect can stand in the way, the sort of like desire to be perfect in your secret emotional space uh, can limit the expression. So I have been taught by therapists over the years to just write it out. Write it. It doesn't matter if it's barely legible. It doesn't matter if you are have incomplete thoughts, but just move through it. Allow them to come. Allow what you've written to then we'll get to this in a second, but just really let it come. And then you can kind of organize your thoughts. Like I have always noticed that as I get more and more involved in it and let whatever needs to come out, out, my thoughts begin to slow a little bit once that big, heavy thing is out. And then I can kind of make some connections, try to understand what it might mean. But the key is to get it out and to not suppress the things that are coming up. Okay, so that's kind of the first piece. The second piece is about once you've gotten through that initial rush of this is what's going on, this is why I feel so compelled to write, I need to get this out, I need to say these things, I'm worried about this, I'm afraid this is going to happen, I'm ashamed about this, I just saw someone putting on makeup in a commercial and it made me realize my mom never taught me how to put on makeup and I'm so upset and I feel ridiculous that I'm triggered by a stupid commercial. What, Whatever it is, that's a, a page out of my own journal. Um, whatever it is, get it out. But once it's out, Penn and Baker has noted in his research that those who, who used I references, I feel this, I'm upset, the makeup thing really upset me, 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 I, 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 I feel this way, I feel ashamed. Once you get all of that out, 
And then you shift into words like because or realize or understand, immediately there are more benefits to the writing process. Because those words, this has made me realize my mother never did da-da-da. I now understand why my mother didn't teach me these things. She was busy with her addiction. Shifting that language allows us to begin to interpret what happened to us, right? So it's not just, I'm so upset I saw this and I don't understand why I'm upset that I saw this. I, I, I need to, need to say all those, need to document all the eyes, but then starting to understand why that might be the case, starting to actively interpret what has happened to us, why we might be feeling this way, why those things might have happened is crucial. So yes, journal it to get it all out, but try once you've expressed your anger, your fear, your frustration, your sadness, your worry, try to understand it a bit. What might it mean? How might it shift? Where am I in this? And what agency do I have to change my thoughts about this? Pennebaker notes further that it's not helpful to keep repeating the same negative narrative over and over in journaling, which I mean, makes sense, right? We've talked about this in the meditation episode, that so much of the power of meditation is, is committing to something and, and showing yourself you're, you know, building trust with yourself that you set a goal and you meet that goal and you honor that goal. So you kind of trust yourself and respect yourself. But in the meditation itself, recognizing your thoughts and day over day, month over month, year over year, if you're having the same thoughts over and over <laughs> To me, the most powerful part of my meditation practice has been to be like, oh, yeah, I'm done thinking these same thoughts. Like, I'd really like to move on. In the same way, not super healthy to constantly express the same worry over and over and over again without this shift in trying to understand it. I have found, just as in my meditation practice, that the very act of writing your thoughts down daily you very quickly realize when you're having the same thoughts every day. It functions in much the same way as a meditation practice because what we're really doing is absorbing our thoughts. So get them out. Try to make sense of them. And notice when you might be repeating a negative narrative over and over and over again. If we can process a stressful experience and cannot just do the I feel this, I feel this, but start to understand why, or try. We may not solve it. I, I have decades of books for full of writing for a reason. It's not like I solved that everything in, in a single journal session. But certainly beginning to understand what might be going on with me was very helpful for me. And the data backs it up. Processing a stressful experience and then incorporating it sort of into the broader narrative of your life has been proven to reduce stress, which, as we know from ACEs, High stress, high cortisol levels, bad for health. So the very idea that we can learn ourselves better, process what's going on with us, and also reduce our stress and boost our health, brilliant reason to start journaling. The final piece here with these sort of notes from his research that he felt were most important to keep in mind when journaling, if we can do one and two, if we can not suppress our thoughts and we can shift the feelings that come up, by connecting them with the larger narrative of our lives, we can start to find positive meaning. It need not be, wow, this is so great that my mom didn't teach me how to put makeup on and I feel terrible about it because this is now 
you know, a wonderful positive benefit. It need not be that clear. Although it's probably a good thing I didn't wear makeup for most of my life. Probably healthier for my skin. A random positive side effect. But if we can find positive meaning in the traumatic life events, that also impacts our health in a very positive way. Makes sense. So it turns out I was doing a thing naturally that was good for me without realizing there were any scientific health benefits. I mean, it goes without saying that it also turns out I should not have been so negative about the word journaling and maybe should not have been so eye-rolly about it for as long as I was. So that's a really quick overview of journaling. I didn't want to make it too complicated, but just want to give you a sense of how you might approach it. And now, now that we've kind of established the power of journaling and how you might incorporate it into your healing toolbox, as I always say, all of these are tools. In every episode, I'm sharing different tools that have been so effective for me. Incorporate this into your toolbox, pull it out when you need. But what I want to give you is a quick exercise. Just like with meditation, it can feel kind of open-ended to, it's like a wide open expanse to just say, I'm going to start a meditation practice and just sit here silently with myself. That can feel terrifying and you don't know where to start. So sometimes people start a meditation practice with guided meditation. They give you prompts. They tell you to breathe for two minutes. They give you visualizations. Pretend you're out by the ocean or in the mountains or in the forest, right? Like they, they guide you. In the same way, journal prompts or exercises can be extremely helpful. So you don't open a blank diary, a blank journal and think, Ugh, I, how, how am I going to fill this up? What could I possibly put in here? There are some great journals out there for anyone working through trauma with really good prompts. And I'll share some of those in the resources. In fact, a few of you have recently DM'd me and said, hey, I know you often share books. There'll be a whole podcast episode on the books very soon. I know you share a lot of books, but I more would like workbooks or um, journals that have prompts. So I'll share several of those in the resources. I also have a bit of a surprise soon. Might be having our very own change of air journals with prompts. So look out for that. Final details coming very soon. But this is a, an exercise that is in the free change of air guide because it's a good structured kind of first way into it. I will include the link to this exercise in the resources as well. So get a pen and paper and your journal. And if you're driving or you're in motion and you don't have the ability to write, that is completely fine. You can do this mentally. And then you can write things down when you have the next chance, okay? It's very brief, but I want to just set the stage a little bit. This is what I kind of refer to as the do you have alcoholic family members journal prompt. And all of you listening are probably like, yes, Callie, (laughs) we do have alcoholic family members or did, which is why we're listening at all. So number one, like we've all gotten an A plus on that first part. Yes, we do. But that's kind of the name of the prompt. So here goes. Every alcoholic family looks different. For some of us, it's just one parent or a grandmother, grandfather, or an uncle. In many cases, it's even just on one side of the family. That was the case for me for a long time. And it created this weird yo-yo effect of feeling safe and secure with one set of grandparents and being really stressed when I had to visit the other right? Like as kids, we know what is safe and unsafe. We intuitively know something weird 
is going on at that house. Please don't drop me off at that house. Certainly made far more complicated when the people dropping you off are also drinking. And so you're like, yeah, drop me off. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> so it's complicated, right? It's not as straightforward as I think a lot of books make it seem. And it's tough to heal from any past wounds or reconcile with the things that happened in our childhood if we are not honest with ourselves about what's what. Like, what are the facts on the ground? That's why it's so important to get very clear and very factual about who in your family or your life is struggling with alcohol. We need to be honest with ourselves and begin to write down the names of the alcoholics in our lives, past and present, in recovery or not. So just take a moment and write down the names of anyone in your life, past or present, recovered or not, sober or not, any alcoholic in your life, living or not. Give you a few moments to actually write that down in your journal. Write down the names. It may only be one name. It might be a lot of names if you're in my family. And if you're not writing, just sit with that. Sit with those names. Hold those names in your mind. Get clear on who they are. We often have a central person, but there are likely others. Okay. As you wrote that list, were there people you hesitated to include? If so, why? As you look at the list of alcoholics in your life, how do you feel? What emotions come up for you? What memories are revealed? It is natural to feel sadness, anger, fear, and confusion. When I first did this exercise, in much the same way that I took the ACEs test and thought, oof, I was a little surprised by how many people I had to list. It's easy when we grow up with an alcoholic parent and they're our primary caregiver to think only of them. But it is fascinating to note if there are other people, romantic partners, um, not just when we were children, anyone in our lives, even now. It is interesting to see the connections. Maybe the alcoholics in our lives are no longer drinking or no longer with us. And they were prim our primary caregivers when we were children. But as we know, and we'll get into in future episodes, what we lived through then has predisposed us not just to health conditions, but to hanging out with more alcoholics as adults, as many of us have found. We are a magnet for that if we don't heal what we've been through and don't understand what we've been through. So oftentimes writing this down, just writing down the names, can be a very interesting, if painful, connection from past alcoholics to present. They might be the same. There might be new ones that you've introduced into your life unwittingly that is totally different from growing up with alcoholics. And we'll get into some of that in future episodes with some experts because it's really important that we understand how we might in fact be predisposed to just find more alcoholics in any part of our lives, even when we try so hard not to. So that's a first, the very first early, if you've never journaled, if you've never tried to work out your writing, other than maybe, you know, Instagram is a great example of, of modern day journaling. 
Um, it's not blogging. It's a very short form. Certainly in order to write a caption, you have to pause and think about what you're trying to communicate and organize your thoughts. And in organizing your thoughts, particularly if you're ever posting about your experience growing up as an alcohol, growing up in an alcoholic family, you know what that process is like and how clarifying it can be to write something out and try to understand what you meant by it and, and get clear on your own feelings about it. So you may be doing this already, not written in a journal, but on Instagram or somewhere else. But I encourage you to do this exercise, this very first early, if you've not, if you don't have a practice, you can get a fresh new journal and start with this. Who are the alcoholics in my life, past and present, sober now or not, in recovery now or not? And then prompt yourself about how those things made you feel. Each name, who did you not want to write down because you secretly wish they weren't having to be put on the list? And what has come up for you and what memories are revealed? That act is the very first step in acknowledging the truth of the role that alcoholics have played and are playing right now in your life. It's a powerful exercise, no matter if you ever journal again. It's really powerful to just kind of state your truth. My truth is that these people are in my life or were in my life and they drank. Just facts, just facts on a page. That's the first step. You can then use over the next several days and weeks what came up for you. You can do a different journal each day on the people you hesitated to include on what feelings came up for you, what memories came up for you. I have shared this before. I have a very vivid memory of my uncle, who is not my primary caregiver, who, you know, all told, given all the memories I had with my parents living in my unsafe home, um, my interaction with my uncle was probably, I don't know, 30 times, whereas my parents were, I don't know, 3 million times, right? So like by by sheer numbers, it wasn't a lot, but I have such a vivid memory of him dressing up as Santa Claus, drunk, and coming to the one side of my family that didn't drink on Christmas Eve and making, I've said this before in previous episodes, and just making it so messy. And it was sort of like this time where I was, I got to be healthy Callie and not worried Callie. We could open presents and have dinner and no one was going to lock themselves in the bathroom or leave the front door and not come back for seven hours. And so Christmas had to be about finding grandma instead of having Christmas, right? Like those were the kinds of things that could happen at any moment in my home. And so to be with my grandparents on one side of my family who did not have drinking issues, I knew that I could just relax. I didn't have to worry about any of that. But wouldn't you know it, my uncle from the other side of the family would show up in his Santa suit and make a scene. And when I first did this exercise, like writing, even just writing his name down upset me because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't like the memory of it, but it also helped me see that it wasn't just my parents. There was a lot of interactions with addiction in my childhood and writing down the facts helped me start to understand that in a, a deeper way, in much the same way that ACEs has helped me prioritize my healing and put a finer point on really needing to focus on this. So I just want to acknowledge you for whether you wrote it down, whether you're going to write it down after, as soon as this episode is over, if you did start journaling, you can just turn this off and keep journaling and keep free writing, kind of use those tools 
the I statements, I feel this way, get it out, what does this mean now, try to make sense of it, maybe try to find some ray of light in there. I just want to acknowledge you for taking the step of doing this exercise, which is not easy, but is so powerful. And hopefully it's an easy way into starting to journal. I'm also going to be sharing a lot of other prompts with you throughout the week so that you can tiptoe your way in to see if this is a tool. Again, just like every tool, this may not be your most favorite, but I find that trying lots of them has been the most helpful for me in figuring out what works best. What's my secret set of tools that really helped me figure a lot of this out? So you've taken the first step. Thank you, as always, for joining me, really for joining you, for committing to your own healing by being here. I'm sending you so much love. Until next time.